Well, everybody, we are now in the fourth installment of a ser series that we entitled Countercultural. And what we're looking at together are these um, principles that are highlighted in God's word known as the Beatitudes. Right in the beginning of, of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to preach these Beatitudes that are really, they're really these values that God calls you and I to, to live in. God calls you and I to, to embrace. And I believe that it's these values we need now more than ever. Like, you wonder what is going on in our world today. You wonder why there's so much division, why there's so much hatred, why, why we, we see so much trouble kind of in, in, in the air. Can I, can I tell you, everybody, listen, like, we did that. Like, we set our world on fire, uh, so to speak. I had that song in my head. We didn't start the fire. Yeah, you did. You did start that fire. That was you. Um, whenever we choose to try to do things our own way, like, we're a bunch of spoiled kids. Like, I'm going to do my way. When we do it our way, we make a mess. And, and what we've done in our world today is we've, we've kind of made ourselves a mess. And what God does in, in Scripture here in the Beatitudes, he's calling us back to, he's going, hey, everybody, come on, come on, come on. Here's the way that I've created you to live. Here's, here's what it looks like. Can I tell you in here, friends, like if you're a Christian in here today, you're different. Like you're different. So stop trying to, to be like the world. Try, stop trying to fit into the world. Like you're just not going to. You're different. God made you that way. You're going to treat your relationships different. You're going to treat your friendships different. You, you're going to treat your marriage, your money. You're going you're to treat the raising of your children. You're going to treat it different. Why? Because you are different. So stop trying to fit in with the world. One of the problems we have today is that I believe a lot of us in the church have, have started to embrace some of the principles within the world when the world actually needs us to embrace the principles of God. Like we need to live these things out. And as we do, I believe God's going to bring revival not just to our lives, but to the world that he's put us in. Like God wants to, God wants to do something on this, on this planet, in our nation, in our cities. And, in our, and what he does is he first starts to work inside of you. And so I've just been inviting you, hey, embrace these values. Embrace these things God's calling us back to. And they are, we've noticed a couple things. They are completely countercultural to everything that the world would say to, to do and to embrace. And so the Bible says, we look at the world and go, well, it's, you know, happy are the rich. And Jesus goes, no, actually, it's, it's blessed are the poor. Like you, congratulations if you're broken here, because yours is the kingdom of God. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Like God says, God says, blessed are the, blessed are the meek, right? We looked at that, that last, for they will inherit the land. Those who, who learn to walk, if you remember this, remember, it's a passive aggressive, passive in regards to self, aggressive in regards to kingdom. Well, today we're looking at the fourth one. And if you pray with me, we'll jump into God's word. Lord, we ask that as we get into your word right now that you would, you would help us to understand what it is you want to say to us. God, I pray that you would anoint us to, to, to God, receive from you. Anoint our hearing, Lord God. God, anoint the preaching. And just let this, these moments right now be moments where we kind of pull up to your table, Lord God, and, and, and receive the meal that you've prepared for us this morning. And so, God, we're just excited to hear from you. We believe we're going to walk out different. God, we're going to walk out changed. We're going to walk out with a clear vision of who you are, Lord God, a clear vision for our life, Lord God, and, and being able to walk in everything that you have for us. God, we commit ourselves to it now. We lean in to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty amen, amen. Well, the Beatitudes have these blessings attached to them. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And he tells us that if you could grab a hold of these principles, you can be blessed. And what that means is it's not just happy. Like your Bible, some Bibles, they did their best to translate it and said, happy are those who, 
But the reality is it's not just happiness, it's, it's a blessedness. And what blessedness is, it's a, it's, a, it's a joy on the inside of you. That no matter what's going on on the outside of you, you're going to be okay. See, happiness is based on happenings and happenstance, right? So I'm, I'm happy if I got a lot of money. I'm really sad if I just used it all, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm happy because I woke up in, up in Kuiper today. It was nice and sunny, right? And then you drove down into Redlands, and we got a big old cloud over Redlands. So as you drove in, all of a sudden I was sad. It's happenings, happenstance. Well, what Jesus says to us in these Beatitudes, he's like, listen, come on, you don't have to live that way. If you would just grab hold of these values and these principles, you're going to find yourself blessed. There's a joy deep down inside of you that no matter what's going on around you, you're going to be okay. And that's the life of a Christian as you live within these principles he gave us. Well, not only do we find that we're blessed when we live in these things, he, he attaches promises to them, right? And so blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You're going to make a big old difference on this earth. And then and he was speaking of a, of a time to come when we will rule and reign with Christ, these promises that are given to us. And so I've said it like this. There's always, you always hear me say there's more for you. These Beatitudes actually help you move into that more. Like you're going to live in these things. You don't have to just talk, you don't have to just tell your neighbor, there's more. Tell your neighbor, there's more. I, I actually, I can experience it. And so we're walking through these Beatitudes and, and learning to live in these things. And so the next one Jesus gives us is this. You ready? Um, Anyone hungry in here today? You're going to be before this message is over. I'm telling you, like, let me out, Pastor. We got to go eat. It's lunchtime. Now, Jesus says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they, here's the promise, they will be, what's he say? Filled. What's he say, everybody? Filled. So there's this promise. Look at me, everybody. I don't know what you're experiencing right now in life, but I tell you, you can be full. You can experience fullness. The, the word here is, is, is a word that can be translated as satisfied. Some Bible translations translate it as such, right? And so you all sing the old song, I, don't, I can't get no. Jesus goes, yes, you can. Like you actually can. So this message is dedicated to all of you out there who can't get no. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm telling you, you can. You can live that way. And what Jesus does is he uses this illustration of, of, of hunger, of, of hunger, being thirsty. And I love that because we all, we all can identify with that, you know, uh, in, in, a, in a certain way. I mean, we've all experienced just, you know, you're just a little hungry. You're just, you're hungry for something, right? Um, you ever been hungry, but you know what you're hungry for? Like, come on, come on, talk to me today. You've been hungry and you're like, I just don't know what I'm hungry for. And so I remember when I was in high school, I would come home. I'd come home all the time. And um, the, where our cabinet was at home, still, my parents live in the same home. You could open this cabinet and you could lean up against the counter and it's just a perfect little, and I'd look and I'd just stare in that cabinet. Like, oh, that looks good. Oh, so does that. That looks good too. Well, maybe I want, and I would like, yeah, I, my, my uh, choices where I was, I was browsing between like, you know, top ramen noodles, you know, or, or like some cereal, you know. I don't, cereal in the middle of the day is amazing. I just love it. And I'd be sitting there staring at it. I, just, I don't know what I'm hungry for. How many of you still do that today? Like you open the fridge. Come on, I'm going to talk to you guys in here. You open the fridge, and you just open it, and you just like sit. Mmm, that, that looked good. I don't know. If I, and then, come on, how many of your fridges have one of those little beep, beep, like you leave it open too long, and then your wife yells at, shut the fridge. I just, I can't find anything. I don't know what I want. I just went to the grocery store. There's plenty of, I know, but I just don't know what I want. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm hungry for, right? I, I think that's a picture of our world today. I think, there's a lot, I think it's a picture of a lot of you today. A lot of us in here, you're hungry. 
You just don't know what you're hungry for. And so you run around trying this and you're trying that and it's not really hitting the spot. It's just not, not doing it for you. And, and you find yourself in the spot. It's like, I know I'm hungry for something, but nothing's really just hitting the spot, you know? You ever had a meal and go, oh, I just hit the spot. And so I wonder what it is you've been running to. What have you been turning to to try to hit the spot? You look at our world today and we run to, we run to, we run to lots of different things. There's, a, there's, a, there's these... Um, there's a lot of people who run to you know, education. Well, if I could just be more educated, if I could have some more, more degrees, you know, if I could have some more MDs, if I can, I'm, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the books real hard, I'm going to study real hard, and what I want to do is I just want to have knowledge, and I, wanna, I want to throw myself into this academic world, in academia, and I'm going to find satisfaction in, in academia. So you throw your whole world into it, but here's what you soon discover, friends, is that all the degrees in the world, and all the education, and all the, all the knowledge never really satisfies you. So if you think that's going to be it, I'm telling you up front, it's not. Sure, it's good to have in your repertoire. It's, it's fun to have some uh, MDs after your name or whatever, but I'm telling you, it's not going to fill you. It's not going to satisfy you. Others, maybe you're going to run to, you're going to throw yourself into your work. What I need is a good, I need a good job. I need a good vocation. I'm going to go and I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to make a name for myself. And you throw yourself in. Some of you guys, they look at me, I'm telling you, you're, you're borderline workaholic. Because you feel like you're placing more value in the work environment than you are on the home environment. And you've got young kids right now that you need to be loving on and caring for. But, but you've just been so distracted by this, this thing you think you're hungry for. And so you're giving yourself to it with, with all you got. I mean, you're doing everything you can to climb the corporate ladder. You're doing everything you can to get, to get that title, that raise. And you're telling yourself, if I could just get there, I'll be satisfied. Well, the Bible tells us Solomon he had all this wisdom. I mean, he wrote us a book called Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes, he says, I've been there, done that. Can I just tell you what it's like if you finally work that job and you get so much money you could have? Come on, some of you are like, this would just be the dream. I could have anything I look at. And I go, I want that. And if I could have it, I'm going to be happy. Here's what Solomon says. He says, I've been there, done that. And let me tell you, give me some advice. Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11. He says, I denied my self nothing my eyes desired if i looked at it and i want it i got it can you imagine having that much reach that much money I, I want that i want that and he he walked around just pointing at things going it's mine he says i ref i refuse my heart no pleasure my my heart took delight in my in my labor and this was the reward for all my toil watch Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. What do you mean? Because I looked around, I'm like, it just isn't giving me meaning. It's not filling me. There's, there's no purpose in it. He says, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. You ever go chasing after wind? How's that work out for you? You just can't catch the wind. That's what he's saying. It felt like that. Like, like I thought someone was there, but there wasn't really anything there. Nothing was gained under the sun. So he's, he's letting you in on the secrets. He goes, hey, just to spare you the, the pain, uh, I'm going to let you in up front. It's not going to do it for you. So maybe education, maybe, maybe it's a job. Maybe some of you, it's just, it's just you need new stuff. You need more. You need more stuff. You just love, you just want yourself some, some more money, you know, just need more money. Do you know what 
everyone with more money wants more of? Money, right? Y'all got a lot of money. What do you want? A lot more. Like just no matter how much you have, you're, you always want a little more. You're never, you're never full. It's never going to do it for you. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 11 says this. Those who love money will never have enough. There you go. Like, when's enough enough? Oh, when I'm able to put away for this. Okay, do that. And then you're going to say, and then if I could put away for that. And then if I had, and if I could, and you're always going to want a little more. So he's telling you, I'm telling you, you're not going to have enough. Watch this. How meaningless to think that wealth will bring us happiness. Here's a, here's a, little, here's a little insight he gives you. Some of you actually, you know this because you're living it. Ready? The more you have, the more people will help you spend it, right? Anyone have that problem? And every time I get more, I got more friends. I don't know where they're coming from. And everybody wants more of, of what, I, what I got. He says, so what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. You're going to try all you want. and just going to keep slipping through your fingers. And so he's, he's just giving you heads up. Heads up, everybody. I know you think that will satisfy you, but it's not going to satisfy you. I know you think that's going to fill you, but he says, I've had it all like all the wealth, I've had all the desires of my heart, and I still was not yet filled. So some of you are listening, going, well, then how in the world are we ever going to experience fulfillment? How are we ever going to be satisfied? I'm telling you right now, it's not in the stuff that the world is offering you. And some of you are stuck in the cycle of trying to go to the world, and you need to actually stop going to the world. There's a, there's a unrest inside of your heart because you are not turning to the one who actually give you rest. Okay? And even within the church, it happens. Jesus, in the book of John, chapter 4, goes to this woman who's at a well. And she's going to draw some, some water. And this woman, we, we know her backstory, that she's gone from man to man to man to another man. I think i got to add one more. To another man. Right? And she's looking for love in all the wrong places, and she's finding love in too many faces. I think that's a song. And, and this poor girl, she, we tell, it tells us that she goes at noon to, 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 the, to the well. Why did, you don't typically go at noon. She goes at noon probably because she was considered an, an outcast within, within her city. And so she goes, to the, no one goes at noon because it's hot. But she's there, she's around that noontime, all by herself, and Jesus comes to her. And she's getting water from the well. Jesus says, you know, I can, give you, I can give you water. Will you never have to come back here again? Water that will, will, will come up inside of you. It will be gushing and overflowing from you. She's like, tell me where I get that water. Well, Jesus says, well, go and get your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, right, you've had five. five and the guy you're with now isn't even your husband. He's calling her out. Why? Why? Because watch. He's pointing out to her. Her dis, he's making her, he's bringing to the surface her dissatisfaction, the fact that she isn't satisfied yet. I kind of want to do the same thing. Is there, is there anything in you that you keep running to and it's just like not quite yet satisfied? Watch what Jesus says to her. She's like, well, how in the world do I get this water? Where do I find it? Watch what Jesus says in John 4.13. Here's what he says. Anyone who drinks of this water, someone say this water. What water? Oh, he wasn't pointing at the water in that well. 
He's pointing at the water she was trying to get from all these different men. Anyone who drinks of this water, the water that the world's offering you, the water that you think companionship's going to give you, the water you think money's going to give you, the water you think career, education, the water you think that's going to give you. He says, anyone who drinks of this water, watch what he says, will thirst again or will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. So I want you to think through all the things you turn to to try to find satisfaction that you throw yourself into. I'm telling you, some of you right now, if I just had, fill in the blank. I'm going to tell you, well, if you are aiming at that as your chief aim and you think that it's going to be the thing that fills you, I'm telling you right now, it won't. You can put a big old label over all that stuff. And here's the label, will thirst again. That you keep drinking from the well water of this world and you will thirst again. Some of you are thirsty today. You're hungry today because you're going from well water to well water thinking it will fill you. And I'm here today to tell you what Jesus said. You will thirst again. Why do you keep showing up to that same well thinking it's going to do something different? You will thirst again. So, friends, listen. You're drinking deep and you're finding that no matter how deep deeply you drink, you're still thirsty. Why is that? It's because, friends, you're not hungry for a better financial situation. You're not hungry for a, a better education. You're not hungry for a new car. You're not hungry for a new home. You're not hungry for better companionship. What you're hungry for is righteousness. What? Yeah, Jesus said it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because only they will be filled. So if you're not satisfied in here today, can I just let you in on something? It's probably because you're not yet, you haven't led yourself, you haven't allowed yourself to actually realize what it is you're really, truly hungry for, you see? Proverbs 21, 21 says this, whoever pursues, what's he say? Righteousness and love finds what? Finds life. You want to find life? Here it is. You got to change your pursuit. Listen, Everybody? challenge you change your pursuit he says if you pursue love and righteousness you find life you find prosperity you want some prosperity here's what it's in the pursuit of righteousness and he says an honor you can have these things like they're available to you one of the biggest desires of 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 our church is to help lead you into being satisfied in the very things that can satisfy you like you can have it so I want to talk quickly about some of the things that keep us from living in this satisfaction, from living in everything God has for us. So, because like, if you're here today and you're not experiencing that deep satisfaction, that, that, that fullness that God desires to give you, I think there's some things that sometimes get in the way. I want to identify them so we can deal with them, move on from them. Amen? You ready? You with me? So here's the first one. I think a lot of us can find ourselves in this place where... You don't step in everything God has for you. You're not pursuing after righteousness because you just keep settling. Like you keep settling for well water. You keep settling for things that are never actually going to fill you. You know, like you keep settling for the things that you, you think will fill you but never actually fill you. It's, it's, like, it's like driving home from work. About 5, 6 o'clock, you're hungry. And on the way home from work, you're wondering, yourself, I wonder what they're making for dinner. I wonder what... You know, I wonder what they, what they got going on at the house. But instead of calling and figuring it out, you find yourself at a gas station. I don't know if you've ever done this. Like you pull into an AM, PM, 
And you like are pumping gas and you're looking in there like food, like, well, maybe I'll yeah, I'll go in and get a little little snack or two just to kind of hold me over on my way home to dinner. And you go in there and you start walking up and down them aisles with all them amazing health choices for food. And and you're thinking to yourself, I am so hungry. You know what I'm gonna get on my way home? I'm just gonna get myself a little slim gym. Come on, you love yourself some slim gym. And every time you take a bite of that slim gym, your heart's like, please stop, please stop. Right? And so you get yourself a Slim Jim. If you're in my home, you got yourself some hot, some flaming Hot Cheetos. Come on, Katie, that's for you. You love those flaming Hot Cheetos. And you're just going from thing to thing. You, you get yourself a Hot Pocket. Come on, like a, a hot dog. And then you're like, well, I got all this stuff. You know, what do I wash it? Well, get, that's what they got the Big Gulp for. You can wash it all down with a Big Gulp, right? Like, what is it, 78 ounces of sugar water? And so here you are, you know, you got like, you got the Cheetos cheese all over your fingers. It's like, you know, it's everywhere and it's on your, it's on your clothes because you just can't, it's all over your car and you're just driving home, just, you're just eating all this stuff. You get home and they've prepared like, not just a meal, it's your favorite meal. Like for me, it's like steak and potatoes, like mashed potatoes and like you want to, you want to, you ever want to make me a meal? Hook me up with some of that. Like, I just love, I love me some steak mashed But you get home, and here's the problem. There's an amazing, healthy, good-for-you meal, but you're just so messed up with all the stuff you've been eating. You can't even enjoy the thing that's been prepared for you because you've been out there, listen, allowing yourself to settle when God actually has something great. I, I want you to think through. Think about the things you keep filling up on that haven't actually filled you. Think about the things that, that, that would be like the Cheetos, you know, that you're just, oh, just, it's just a quick little snack. It's just going to eat. And maybe it'll, but it, how's that working out for you? Why? Here, why do you keep going to them Cheetos and getting that stuff all over your fingers and you're making a mess of yours? Why do you keep doing that when God's prepared a meal for you? Can I tell you what it is? It's like you, friends, you, you're robbing yourself. You don't have the, the patience to actually press into what God has for you. And so you settle for what the enemy's dangling in front of you. He's like, hey, look, you got some Cheetos. I, hey, you don't have to wait to get home. I hook you up on the way. Let's look. And so you keep falling for it. And now you just, come on. I got a confession to make, everybody. Sometimes at night, I sit up watching shows with Tatum, and I snack. I know you're thinking it doesn't look like it, but I do snack. I'm like eating. Come on, Tate, it's after 10, and every time she tells me, you shouldn't eat after 10, I'm like, it's okay, because I'm going to stay really late tonight, so it's kind of like it's only 8 o'clock, but <laughs> it's not. And like I'm eating like, you know, chocolate-covered, dark chocolate-covered almonds, and I'm just like chips, like Doritos. I know I shouldn't eat Doritos. I'm wondering like why I can't fall asleep till one or two in the morning. It's because when you pound a whole bag of like, of like Sour Patch Kids, come on somebody, like, <laughs> you're not going to sleep. And I'm telling you, this confession, right, like, I can't fall asleep, my stomach hurts, and I have a bad day the next day because I didn't get sleep. And it's just everything is off, and I could have changed it if I just, some of you just need to watch your diet. Like, just to be careful what you're allowing yourself. You, you need to stop. You need to stop settling 
for less than what God has for you. Listen to what Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, 2 say. It says this, all you who are thirsty, anyone thirsty? He says, come and drink. Those of you who do not have money, you're like, I don't got enough money for a good meal. He says, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on something that's not real food? Why work for something that doesn't really satisfy you? Listen closely to me, and you will eat what is good. Your soul will enjoy the rich food that satisfies. Where do you find it? In him. Where do you find it? In him. Where do you find it, church? In him. Why are you, why, why, friends, are you settling for less than what you could have in him? So I think that's the very, that's one of the things that, cause us from not actually living in everything God has for us. Because we just, you're out there and you're just settling. And I'm telling you today, it's time for a different meal. You need to stop settling. Today's the day. Come on, you're going to walk out of here and you're just going to learn to say no to some things so you can say yes to the better things God has for you. If you're with me, say amen. Amen? We're going to live that. And some of you right now, I'm telling you, you've got something on your heart and mind that God's going, eh, this is your thing. Like, this is your Cheetos. And God said, don't touch that anymore. Right? You know it. Why don't you just let yourself listen to the Spirit of God this morning. Get that stuff off. Wash your hands. Here's the other reason. Is that you, why we don't step into everything God has for us. We, is because you just have no idea how good God actually is. Like You have no idea how good his goodness actually is. You ever have somebody say to you, like, you just got to. Just try it. Like they have they, they, something that it doesn't look that good. But they're like, come on, you just got to try it. And you're like, oh. Like, uh, yeah, sushi. Like people, they me, you can have some sushi, just try it. Like, I tried it once and it slid down my throat. And I'm just like, I'll never be the same. But if you have the experience with someone says, try it, and you try it, you're like, I'm not going to try it. And you try it, you're like, wow. Right? So. My family got into uh, Thai food over this last couple of years. Come on, yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. Wow, I've got more people clap at me getting into Thai food. Than we, it's good food. Like, some of it. Some of it's good. Um, so they get, get into Thai food, and we, we've, what's the restaurant right here? Tatum, help me. Benjurong. It's like fancy Thai food, right? So we go there with this couple who's introducing us to more of the Thai experience, right? And and they order this stuff called tamkaka. It's called tamkaka. I mean, it's like, and I'm just going, oh, sorry, but it, I'm telling you, when I read it, it says tamkaka. I'm like, and they're going to order a big old bowl of tamkaka. And I'm like, I don't want, listen, just the name of the stuff has ruined food for me forever, right? And so they bring up this bowl. They set it in the middle. And, and, and it's, it's a boiling kaka. Like, it's boiling tamkaka. Like, they got, they got like a fire up underneath it. I'm like. Like, you got to try it. I'm like, no, thanks. I will pass. They open the lid, and steam is coming off the tum caca. It's yellow. Have you seen this stuff? It's like yellow. There's corn bits floating through it. I'm like, I mean, it's, it's bad. And they're like, just try it. Just put, like, a little in your bowl taste it. I'm like, well, thank you, Jesus. Like, are you kidding me? Like, load me. 
up. Like, I am, like, it changed my life. <laughs> I am a different person today because I tried something. I, I'm telling you, even to this day, Tatum, right? Like, if there's a Thai food restaurant, I say, make sure, make sure they serve Tom Kaka. Like, if they don't, we ain't going. Like, it's not even a, a Thai restaurant ain't even worth showing up to unless they have some Tom Kaka. I mean, that. Now I got the little rice bowl. I put some of the Tom Kaka on the, on the rice bowl. I am, like, let's go eat, everybody. Like, it is so good. Here's what I'm telling you. Listen to me. There are things in the Lord that God has for you. And I'm just like, I feel like my job on Sunday, I'm like, just try it. Come on, like you've heard of small groups, like secret, you hear me talk about it all the time. Like, just try it. You're like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't look. Another day of the week, another time. People I don't even know showing up in a house doesn't sound like my thing. I'm just going to pass. Like, just try it. It'll change your life. Hey, hey, you, you, you a believer in here today? You've never been baptized? You got to go all in. Our next baptism, you get baptized. Yeah, I don't know. I'm older now and should have done this as a kid and I just don't really know. I'm, I'm telling you, there's something special about you saying yes to and being obedient to the things God's called us to be obedient to. You wonder why when people come up out of that water, there's a big old smile on their face, there's joy in their heart. They're like, because there's an anointing on that moment of your obedience that I can't, I'm holding it out like, come on, please, you could try it. But you're not going to know it. See, you just don't know how good God is because you have been reluctant to try the things he's asking you to, to try. And there's, there's, there's hey, listen, to, you got a gift inside of you. You hear me all the time. you got a gift inside of you. God wants to use that. He does. And there is a fulfillment that comes in your life when you, when you live in your giftedness. Uh, some of you need to start some small groups. Some of you need to join current teams. And you're like, you, you think I'm going, I'm like, I'm saying that because like, oh, we need some, really need some help. No, it's because... It's not something we want from you. It's what I want for you. Because you get on a team like, this is, why did I do this before? I mean, I got people, I'm going to call, I'm going to call John Hillrich out, Tatum's dad, right? When we planted this church, we talked about doing small groups, and John's like, I'm going to, some of you like this. And this isn't how John talks. It's just how I'm going to talk, how, how I want to, about how John talks. I don't want to join a small group. I don't need more friends. John actually told me that. John, I'm calling you out. I don't need more friends. I think John's in like three small groups right now. <laughs> right? Got his men's group. He's got his other group. And why? 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 Because he tried it. Like, there's nothing better than doing life with like-minded people. There's nothing better than a young couple trying to figure out how to be newlyweds than going to a, a, a group on, in, a, on marriage and, and learning from those who have been there and those who are figuring it out. There's nothing better than as a mom and dad going, try, trying to raise some young kids and going to a group. We have them here, Citizens Church. You go to a group and 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 work through together how to, how to navigate parenting. I mean, you can do that. There's nothing better as a high school student or a junior high student or showing up around some us other believers who are like-minded. I'm telling you, and, and, and we do this. So we get, we're going to run over here. We're going to run over here. I'm just telling you, get plugged into the local body of Christ. Get yourself some friends and, and commit yourself to doing life with them. I'm holding it out. Like, please try it. I don't know. It's not my thing. It's God's thing for you. And if God has it for you, I'm telling you, it's good. It's so good. And some of you don't pursue after all God has for you because you're not yet convinced that what God has for you is good. I can't convince you. You've got to try it. So I'm telling you, tr just go. I've said it before at Citizens. They say, just, just give us a year. Like, go all in and everything that, that God has for you in the context of the, of the local church. Like, some of you, 
you just need to start coming consistently on Sunday mornings and just get that rhythm back inside of you. I mean, it's, it's good. The Bible says that they gather together weekly. And I'm telling you this in love, friends. Like the week you miss is the week you need. We need to be together. Y'all right? Amen? Like we need to be together. Like some of you, you're, you, need, you need to get a small group. You just need to, you need to start to step into these, these things that, that God has, has for you. Taste and see, Psalm 34, 8 says. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Like, come and taste and see that the Lord is He's better than you could ever imagine. He says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Like, you have no idea how good what God has waiting for you actually is. And I'm telling you, come on, you got to try it. It's my prayer for you that you, you would. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, 18 and 19. It says, I pray that you will have power together with all the saints to comprehend the length, the width, the height, the depth of the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be, there's our word, filled with all the fullness of God. Like there is more for you. He wants to fill you. Come on, come on, go all in. So I'll say this year at Citizens Church, give us one year. Will you just go all in? You, small group, I'm going to join small group. Coming consistently on Sunday. I'm going to, um, if, it's, if it's a bold night where we're going to pray, like, I'm going to come in and join us in prayer. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, go all in. And listen, give me a year of you just diving into everything God has for you. And it's a money back guarantee. All right? I mean, listen, if you don't find yourself more full, living in fullness at the end of the year, I'll go find a new church with you. Like, I will. I, we will go find another church together because it's just not. But I'm telling you, everything we do at Citizens is based on biblical principle of you getting into community. of you, And those biblical principles are there to fill you. Amen? Can I get a better amen, everybody with me? So that's, those are some of the reasons we don't pursue after, after all God has for us, right? We're, we're, allowing our, we're, we're allowing ourselves to turn to other things. We're settling. We haven't yet quite figured out how good God is. But let me tell you how you can in the time we have left. How can you pursue after righteousness? Here, here's what it looks like to pursue after righteousness. First of all, it means this, that you from this moment on, you move forward with a hunger and thirst for Christ, for Jesus. Like you've got to fix your attention on, on Jesus. There's, there's got to be a turning from whatever it is you've been turning to and, and choose instead to turn to Christ, right? You recognize, you need to recognize your need for Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well? He says, the water that I offer, where does this righteousness come from that we, we we're longing for? He says, it comes from me. You can't get what you need anywhere else out there. Your righteousness you need comes from me. What is righteousness? Listen, it's rightness with God. It's that you've been made right with God. Deep in the soul of every man and every woman is a longing to be made right with God. There's a longing inside of the created being to be made right with his or her creator. And until you are right, until there is harmony with the one who created you, you will always be frustrated. Always. Always, always, always. And so for you to experience righteousness, being made right with God, you got to first turn to Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can make you right with God. So, so I'm telling you, there are people sitting in church today, very, very religious, 
very, very upright. They tithe, they're, they're give, they give, they, they, they serve, they give their time. I mean, they're in everything, but they've been around the church, but they've yet to actually taste of Jesus. They're, they're doing, look, religious activity. Religious activity can't make you righteous. Only Jesus can make you righteous, right? So some of you are doing all that because you think you're like, you're climbing a stairway to heaven. Like I heard a song once, stairway to heaven, and that's just the way I live my life. It's now, you know, my, it's the way I do things. Like you're climbing a stairway, you can't get there. There is no stairway to heaven. Like you, if you go to any of you play, play guitar or anything and you show up to a guitar center, there used to be a sign. I don't know if it's still there. Please no stairway to heaven, right? No stairway to heaven. Because everyone, it's the first song every, every guitar player learns. And it's like, get sick of hearing it. Please no stairway to heaven. In the church, listen to me, there is no, there's no stairway to heaven. Like you can't work your way there. Don't be hungry and thirsty for climbing another rung. You've got to be hungry and thirsty for Jesus because only Jesus can make you righteous. Well, how does it happen? How does it happen? It's, it's called, we call it the great exchange. Martin Luther called it the great exchange. Jesus, who is perfectly righteous, perfectly right with God, right, took our unrighteousness upon him that he might place on us his righteousness. It's the great exchange program. He took my unrighteousness and put on me his righteousness. Where's that in scripture? 2 Corinthians 5.23, watch. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When I am in Christ, I, am, I have been made right with God. God and I are, are the Bible says that, that he now calls me friend. Like I have a relationship with God. The, the wall has been separated and now what my heart has been longing for is satisfied in him. Friends, you will forever be restless until you find rest here in Jesus. So you need to realize that what you're hungry for is him. In that moment, you're filled. In that moment, you're changed. In that moment, you finally discover that this is what I've been longing for. I need some of you Christians in here this morning to let that like wash back over you that you're righteous in Christ. I think the enemy sometimes, he'll, he'll poke at you and he gets you to think God's always mad at you and frustrated with you, but God looks at you through the lens of Christ. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. That makes sense? You're wearing those robes. And, and what God sees is this, there's this eternal thing that we can't quite understand that's spoken over us for time and eternity is that you are righteous, that you are forgiven. It's this eternal kind of state that God has put me in that I, because of Christ, I am righteous in him. Because that I am loved by God, I am cared for by God, like he, he's pleased with me. And some of you, you let the enemy beat you up all the time. And you, whenever the enemy's beating you up, you just point to Jesus and go, but Jesus has cleansed me and Jesus has washed me. And yeah, I might have fallen down, but he's picked me up. Come on, amen. And, and I'm, I've been washed in his mercy. I've been washed his grace. I have the imputed righteousness of Christ on me. And I, I live in that. Like, I got I to gotta change the clothes, everybody. Sure, I came in all messed up and dingy and climbing around from, from one dumpster of life to another, going from one well water to another. But I finally committed myself to pursuing after Christ to give my life to him. And I'm different. I got I to gotta change the clothes on. Amen? I'm looking good today. 
And here's what else happens when, this is what it looks like to pursue after righteousness, is that once you've been given that righteousness, you're going to live in that. So it's a work God's done inside of you, but now it's going to work its way out of you. Uh, some of you are not satisfied because something's happened inside of you, but you've not yet let it move outside of you. You've been made righteous, but you're not living righteous. You've been made righteous, but you're not letting the effects of what's happened inside of you flow and touch everything around you. And, and you're not satisfied because you got this, this wrestle going on. God is doing something inside of you, and you're not being true to it. You're trying to suppress it and hide it and, 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 and bury it and, and change it. But God, God says, no, you just need to now live in righteousness. Here's what Paul the Apostle said in, in Galatians 4.19. He says um, that he was praying that, that we, that he might see Christ formed in us, that every day you would look more and more like Jesus. That's pursuing after righteousness. Philippians 3.12 and 13 says this, Paul speaking, not that I've already obtained all of this, this is Paul the, this is Paul the Apostle. I mean, like, even that, anyone's got a good resume. You're like, Paul's, Paul's doing all right. Paul's like, hey, can I tell you? I haven't gained all of this. I'm not perfectly perfect, right, by any means. But here's what I do. Paul doesn't wake and go, well, I blew it. I'm not perfect. I guess I'm just going to wall around in my imperfections. No, here's what he does. Watch. Paul says, but I press on that I might... Lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not count myself to have yet taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on toward what is ahead. What is he saying? I'm pressing on toward Christ-likeness. I want to be more and more like Jesus. I've been made right, but I want to lay hold of more of it. Righteous living. What does it mean? It's a life that's fully surrendered to God in all things. Some of you need to come to a place where you just surrender to God in all things. This is, I call it a holy discontentment inside of Paul. He wanted to be more and more, more and more holy. He just wanted more and more of his life to be set apart for God, more and more of his life to be aligned with God. What is that? That's, that's being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And God says, if you'll walk that route, here's what I promise you, you're going to be filled. I'm going to satisfy you. Uh, I'm going to fill you overflowing. You know, it drives me crazy as we close and the band comes up. It, it drives me crazy to see people naming the name of Jesus and, and then just living like, living like hell. Like, you're going to heaven, but on your way there, you're, you're allowing yourself to be drugged through all the mud of this earth. What happens is when Jesus gets a hold of you, you become hungry for the things that, that Jesus has for you. Make sense? And there's a fulfillment in actually pursuing the things that Jesus has for you. So I want to love the things that Jesus loves. And I want to hate the things that Jesus hates. I want to commit myself to the things that he's calling me to and turn from the things that he's, that he's calling me from. Why? Because he's grabbed a hold of me on the, on the inside. Now I want that to be lived out on the outside, you see. Being around Jesus, friends, and it produces a hunger and a thirst inside of you. Ephesians 1.4 says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be, what's he say, holy and without blame before him in love. You know, there's a whole generation of people going, there's a whole bunch of people going, Man, they see Jesus and grace as this big umbrella that I can just do whatever I want under. Like, I'm going to heaven, I might as well just do whatever I want. No. 
when you're anchored in heaven, you want to you wanna live for heaven. You want to you wanna be set free from the very things that are leaving everyone else enchained. I mean, I wish I could preach this better to you. Listen, it makes no sense to me when you live that way. When we, because here's what the Bible says, right? Jesus in John 8, 36, the Son of Man will set you what? Set you what? Free. Son of Man will set you free. When the Son sets you free, you're, you're free indeed or truly free, okay? Here's my question. Are you free? What did Jesus say he would set you free from? Do you know what he said he set you free? You know, what he's, you know what he wants to set you free from? The bondage of all the junk in this world, the, the, the bondage that sin puts on you. Like he wants to set you free from the things that were holding you down. So it makes no sense when we're like, I'm, I want to live in, in Christ and the freedom he has for me, but I'm going to let this thing continue to shackle me over here. I'm going to run over to, I'm going to get, where them Cheetos at? God said, God said, I came to set you free from Cheetos. It's a great illustration. It's everywhere. Like, like let me wash you and teach you to eat a different meal. You're going to want that, you see. John 8, 31 and 34, last verse. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, he said, if you are truly my disciples, if you remain faithful, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And here's what they said. But we are the descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? And here's what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. What did Jesus come set us free from? Sin. Like you, don't, you don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to live in that any, any longer. You don't have to bow to that brokenness anymore. You can be changed. You can be made whole. And what you need to allow to happen inside of you is that you just start, you just get hungry for the right things. You get thirsty for the right things. Start to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and he will continue to set you free in increments of, of from glory to glory. He'll change you as you wake up every day. Go, maybe yesterday wasn't, well, I didn't do all that great. But this morning I wake up and I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for righteousness. I need more of Jesus. I need more of what Jesus has for me. I'm going to keep saying yes. And you, you will soon find yourself in a place where you're like, how I once was, but now I am. Because I've been pursuing after righteousness. Don't give up in that pursuit. He's going to set you free. We close the story. Lazarus. In the book of, in, in, in the Gospels, there's, there's the story of Lazarus who, as you know, some of you know the story, he was, feeling, he was sick and his sisters were worried about him so they sent for Jesus. Jesus, if you get here, you can heal Lazarus. Well, we know that Jesus, he was late, everybody. I mean, some of you are like, where's God? If you would, can I tell you, some of you feel just like these sisters, like he's late. God, can I just tell you, God always shows up on time. He knows exactly what he's doing. You keep waiting. You keep trusting. You keep believing. God can show up on time. He's late. Lazarus dies. I mean, it looks over. He's dead. So they put him in a, in a, in a tomb. They, they seal it with a rock. And Jesus shows up three days later. And the girls run out. One of them runs up to me. Jesus, if you were here, if you were here, then he would, he'd have been all right. But he's died. And now I don't know what to do. And Jesus says, hey, everybody. Take me, take me to the tomb. 
to take Jesus to the tomb. And Jesus says, hey, can you guys roll away the rock there that's guarding the tomb? And sister looks and goes, uh, Jesus, I don't know that we should do that because he stinketh, right? Like, it's been a while, Jesus, the guy's dead. Like, don't, you don't want to do that to us. Don't open the... Some of you come in here today, I'm telling you, Jesus, like, it stinketh a little bit. It's, there's some stuff, there's just some... It just stinketh and telling you, and she goes, well, wait a second, because I'm going to do something. Watch this. Watch what Jesus does. He goes, Lazarus. People are like, he's calling out to a dead guy. Jesus called somebody else's name today. He says, come forth. And out comes Lazarus. And you're wondering, think about it. Now, how do you, I mean, he just comes out. So how do you picture him? Come in. The guy who once was dead, there's now life inside. There's like a pulse inside him. He's up. Once was not good, but he now good. Why? Because he's responding to the voice of Jesus. So we need to respond. Come out. Hey, get out of that grave. Hell's been holding you long enough. Put down those Cheetos. Put down the, put down the hot pockets. You don't need that big gulp. Don't stop turning. Like, come out from all of Come out from all of it. Be like, be, come to Jesus today. Some of that's your first step. Come to Jesus. Now, how do you picture Lazarus coming out of the grave? Some of you are like, Jesus calls him out and he's like, Bob, I'm here. Thank you very much. Wow. That's not how he came out. Can I tell you how he came out of that grave that day? He came out of that tomb like this. Right? Well, because when they bury people in that day, they'd wrap them with just pounds and pounds of burial clothes. And so he comes out like this. So the guys are really anticlimactic. Where's the Hollywood? Ah, no, he's just, I know that's the case because you know what Jesus says next? Loose them and set them free. Some of you, you got a pulse. You're alive. You've responded to the voice of Jesus, but you need to be loosed and set free. You're still trying to wear some of them old burial clothes. You're trying to wear around the things that you once were dead in. It's like old comfortable clothes. You're like, oh, I know these clothes, and I, I like these clothes. I'm, God's got, I got something new for you. It's called being loosed and set free. If you just be hungry, if you be a little thirsty for righteousness, for God, I just want it all. Cut this old stuff off me. And we as a church are here to help you. Get in a small group. Oh, you're still wearing that? Come here. Let me help you a little bit. And just say yes to all. Come on, just all do it. Every day. All that he has for us. Jesus' name. Amen, church.